the collection trying to make this retreat as pleasant for you as possible and so you, so you relax rather than just follow uh, compulsiveness or so that's oftentimes with us that is a very uh, blind isn't it it can be just so <coughs> overwhelming that we we're pushing ourselves without really knowing what we're doing or what we're what we're pushing ourselves for this is so in a society like this where very competitive and goal oriented then the whole mind is programmed to get into that that particular programming of, I've got to get somewhere, I've got to do something, I've got to realize, I've got to attain something. This is the winter retreat, I've got to have insight so that when I'm dying I can have something to say to my spiritual friends. Well maybe at the end of this winter retreat on the Manga Puja Day I'm going to, I'm going to zap you, I'm going to say, Sri Panya, what are your insights for this retreat? <laughs> <laughs> and you just go. <laughs> you don't know what what kind of surprises I have in store. You know what what possibilities of torturing you and putting you on the spot. <laughs> But that's like the power of the mind, isn't it? When we're, we, uh, like superstition. What, we, what do we mean when, when religion becomes superstitious? It's when you empower the objects, the symbols, with your mind. You, and you don't know what you're doing. <clears throat> so you, you, uh, you have these, like, Buddha images or statues of saints or religious symbols of any kind and then you then you you empower them with your views and opinions fears and desires so somebody gave me a buddha rupa several months ago and they said this this buddha rupa has tremendous power I can't live with it. It's too powerful for me. So I've had it in my room now for two months and... <laughs> because I could empower it, I could, I could, because there's a suggestions there that it has power, and then I could, then I could um, always look at it with that in my mind. And that I, one can just, if, if somebody says that, who, who, who you think knows what they're talking about, then you more, then you sometimes don't bother even question, you just, you just go along with it. And then you have the same, you empower it, you give it all kinds of qualities. Actually, it's just a, a bronze Buddha image. It's just the metal, molded into a, a Buddha Rupa shape. I also have Buddha relics in my room, the reliquary, with the Buddha relics. They're the actual relics, bones, 
what's left of the bones of the Buddha. This is what this is what they were given to me with that statement. Now then, there there is one one can believe it. There's a, there's that's definitely the bones, the relics of the Buddha. One can how could it possibly be relic? I mean, it's two thousand five hundred years ago, and and everybody says they have relics. You go Nepal or Tibet and Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, the whole world. It's how could you possibly, the Buddha, have enough bones left? <laughs> <laughs> so the mind then thinks it's not true. But then the reflection on that allows us to see that it doesn't matter whether they're actually, you can actually trace them back to the original skeleton or not. Nobody can do that. But there is that, when one looks at that reliquary, one, that perception comes into mind. So that in, in many ways these, these are, one can use these things for remembering, for reflection, and without having to make absolute judgments or, or against them, or believe in all the, uh, the, condition, the superstitions that are placed onto religious symbols. No, the Buddha, his approach was to not empower religious objects. And yet, so many Buddhists do that, don't they? All over Thailand, there all kinds of superstitions about relics and images and all kinds of, uh, of things, objects, aramanas, that people empower with their, with their ignorance and belief. A lot of it's very good. I mean, it's not like they're, 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 uh, that it's doing any, that it's, uh, it causes them to be bad. Oftentimes it gives them, makes them, you know, gives them faith, gives them a, <coughs> a sense of rising up and doing good and being kind and being generous. So it's not like it, it is bad or evil in itself. But it is an obstacle if you don't know what you're doing. It's an obstacle to enlightenment. So it's not to go around like being one of these righteous people that just uh, despise any form of superstition and go to Thailand and use poppycock. <laughs> Superstitious idiots. Kind of arrogant, uh, arrogant positioning of, and putting down of all that. That's, that's worse, isn't it? Arrogant. And self-righteousness is worse than superstition to me. I'd rather live with the people that pray to the Buddha relics than live with an arrogant, self-righteous uh, kind of being. Much more <coughs> pleasant to live with people who have nice superstitions than with uh, arrogant, self-righteous idiots. <coughs> But in this path, I mean, the, for the realization of Nibbana, is, is that we, we let go of that, we look into that and, and understand what, what, where the, what, that we can give power, that we can empower all kinds of things. And you, you, you can empower me, can't you, in your mind. Yeah. 
head monk, abbot, ajahn, and all that. Those are the, the that's a kind of empowerment. Uh, putting, you know, giving, putting on to me my, my presence, my being, uh, some kind of significance in your mind. And if you don't realize what you're doing, then of course you, you become blinded by your own, uh, maybe respect or, or, uh, belief or views, projections that you, that you, uh, have, that you, that you empower me with. Or to go to the opposite extreme and just say, oh, I don't believe in hierarchical structures and ajans and all that silly stuff. Well, that's, the, that's the arrogant iconoclast, isn't it? Uh, and just wanting to, to knock down anything that that smacks of, of uh, being hierarchical or above you. So in, in the, in the uh, way of Dhamma, then you, you're watching it, it's, it's, because all these will arise in your, in your mind, in, in, in life's experiences. You, we have to confront this a lot, our feelings of <clears throat> our egalitarian ideals and hierarchical situations and and uh, the loves, the hates, the opinions, the, all this that, that we have, the way, what, how we're programmed to think and, and see life, is then reflected on as a Nietzsche Dukkanata, as Dhamma, rather than trying to defend it or disprove it or make any, anything, uh, anything about it at all, but just recognizing it for what it is. Remember when uh, at Oakenholt, when we were there, the John Coleman <laughs> and the Ubakin um, meditators, they have these retreats at Oakenholt. And so um, John Coleman was a very kind of gracious person. So he he was all, he wanted to be more kind of including of everyone. So when we arrived at Oakland, he wanted us to, he just liked us to sit on his retreat. So we'd sit up there, Venerable uh, Nando, Virdamo and I, and we'd sit there and uh, on these 10-day retreats with, with John Coleman. When we became quite good friends, but Mr. Goenka, you see, was very much against mixing vibrations. So, so that um, when the word got around that these disciples of Ajahn Chah, whose vibrations were different than Ubarkin's, were on these retreats, then they had to stop it. They weren't, couldn't do it anymore, because our vibes were, were not on the same plane or whatever. I don't know how, quite how they saw it, but anyway, that's, that, was their, that was the projection they made onto us. And of course, everybody believed it. They, in that tradition, they just believed their teachers, what the teachers say, and if Mr. Goenka says uh, Ajahn Chah's vibe, vibrations are not on the same plane as Ubakin's, well then that's what they believe. That's it. No question. So, so then, um, in, then uh, Mother Sayama was invited over to England, and 
Mr. Goenka had, had let out the word that Mother Simon was the most advanced disciple of Bubakin who had died already, and Mother Simon was a very advanced, highly developed spiritual being. And they, they built her up into this veritable saint. So, uh, and then Mr. and Mrs. Saw were, were uh, in on all this, and they, they, were, they're much more, they were much more traditional, and they were a bit skeptical about this, uh, of Mr. Goenka and all this, this kind of cultishness that went on there, but they still were on very good terms with it all. So when I talked to the Saws, they said, oh, well, Mother Sam is a nice Burmese woman, and you know how Burmese women are. As soon as she sees the monks, she'll just, she'll just want to give you Donna every day. She'll come every day, and she'll make Burmese food, and she'll offer it to you, because all Burmese women absolutely adore bhikkhus. So, so we uh, all anticipated the day when this woman would come. <laughs> and and uh, she came, and, and uh, one could tell immediately that she wasn't the average Burmese before. <laughs> because she didn't want to know us at all. Uh, and, uh, and then the, uh, she, I think Mrs. Saw actually kind of almost physically dragged her one day into the shrine room <laughs> of Oakenhall. But she, she didn't, really wasn't at all interested. And in fact, uh, the, the, the vibrations were wrong there. So eventually they, she took all her students and left Oakenhall in the middle of the retreat. Uh, and, and just, just ran away, left it leaving the thoughts, kind of wondering what had happened, and everyone else. Uh, because uh, also the Mahasi Sayadaw, a great Burmese teacher, was supposed to be coming, and that was obviously his vibrations were going to be very disruptive, and and obviously our vibrations were disruptive, and and so that they had to go someplace where the vibrations weren't going to be disrupted. Now, that, that is a whole projection of the mind, and that's empowering. Uh, that's a superstition. You're, you're, and you get all these people believing in it, all people completely committed to believing in that way of thinking, and then you have a, a kind of cult atmosphere where you all have to protect your vibrations and high levels of purity, and you, you have to... Uh, they have to uh, make sure that none, no, anything lesser or con contaminating will creep in and, and destroy or corrupt this atmosphere, this vibration. And this is, this is what they call vipassana. This is, this is generally regarded in modern Western world as vipassana, meditation. <coughs> But when you, when you, when you contemplate, you see, if I tell you uh, about some vibrations and all that, and, and then you, then you, then, then, then you say you have a lot of faith in what I say. I've done some has been a monk for years. He's a 
he's um, should know what he's talking about so I'll just believe him and so then I then I have power over you and and then you believe what I say and then you empower uh, create a world around you out of those uh, attitudes just like purity just that that perception of purity if I if I say you know that somebody is is impure or something is impure and then then everybody starts looking at that person as impure don't we if you if you don't if you're if you're still going on the, the level of believing what people are, are saying or teachers say blindly believing then you then you then you start looking everybody starts looking at somebody as being impure or being a heretic or being uh, something or other whatever you whatever is suggested very nice of you to come down <laughs> well then then uh, mother Sayama and and mr. Granka had a play, and they split and they called each other's vibrations impure so I mean who's the judge of what's pure and what isn't you know, so so then now you have two Ubakin cults, one following Mr. Goenka, one following Mother Sayama. Mother Sayama has a place in uh, what is it? Wilshire. Hmm? And they have and, and they have very much strong views about purity and vibration still. <laughs> Now, what we can know is that what views are, anyway. and and what we when we see uh, Buddha images and 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 uh, feel things and all that, what we what we see is what arises ceases. And Nietzsche, Dukkanaka, we're not we're not making anything out of out of the the quality or the conditions, the quality of the conditions. <laughs> So that this this is what vipassana is. It's not it's not a, a kind it's not a technique uh, that that depends on on things having certain vibrations or levels of purity. But it's the way of reflecting on on everything, the way that the the pure, the impure, the the good, the bad arise and cease. And they, I mean, the the the, the nature of things in this realm of uh, conditioning, sensitivity, consciousness. Now you can develop very high levels of concentration through, through, through say, sensory deprivation, through controlling a, a situation, by, by, by outlawing any disruptive energies or forces or or anything that is caused I mean the more you say if you if you go into a sensory deprivation tank or into a, a dark cave where there's no sound and no light and where <coughs> where you where after you get over the initial kind of reactions to sensory deprivation then you 
you you have since nothing stimulating you at all your mind becomes very refined and uh, and and in that refinement they if you don't have right understanding of things then you attach to that as a as an attainment as having achieved or attained something uh, and as purity one can one can regard that as purity so that that, that like hermetic practice is is that way if you go off and become a hermit you you're just you're just cutting yourself off from a lot of say uh, like the and like the disruptions of living in communities or with people and uh, all the the threats and the problems and the disruptions that just come from from living in in a community even with the nicest people it still has a lot of disruption to it doesn't it community life so that that this is hermetic practice is very attractive I admit idea of, of just say bye bye cruel world I'm going off to my cave it's one of the most attractive images I have in my mind <laughs> But vipassana is 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 the type of meditation or reflection in which we we uh, we don't uh, we're not trying to to uh, get out of things or or refine consciousness. We're not trying to to refine ourselves, but to enlighten the mind. So it's it's not necessary to to become refined but to see that that what arises ceases in whatever way in, 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 in the conditioned realm as we experience it moral moral uh, foundation is, is uh, a necessity one has to give up uh, actions and speech which are which are say disruptive and cruel and and divisive uh, so like the, the necessary to to determine to be restrained in moral and, and in moral ways and in and in renunciation letting go of all the unnecessary uh, things that aren't aren't going to help toward that realization so that thing in monast Buddhist monasticism is aimed at that at renunciation and moral uh, precepts but not at sensory deprivation hermetic life uh, that the whole the sangha the attitude is sangha rather than hermit isn't it <coughs> the refuge is sangha which is community rather than in uh, hermetic practice just the just the bindabata and the, the way we have to depend on people for food isn't it makes it almost impossible to become a real hermit you always have to have have some contact with the lay community every day because they have to give you the food you can fast and things like that but you can only do that for so long and you have to <laughs> because you can't the rules are against storing of food for yourself or you can't just say go around and store up food so you can live off it for a week 
but you for yourself. You can't do that. You, you receive the food for the meal and then you relinquish it, what's left over extra, so that you're never hoarding up anything for tomorrow in regards to food. So that prevents it. If you're, if you're going to keep under the under the restraint of the vinya, then, you, then that, that means that somehow that's denied us. The real hermetic life is, is not the form of the bhikkhu or the Buddhist uh, samana. So then contemplate why. Why is that? Why can't we do that? And uh, then one begins to appreciate the fact that that many of us wouldn't would have, have chosen that way would have become hermits if if that was what was encouraged in in, uh, in Buddhism I would have definitely wouldn't be here now <laughs> but <laughs> when we've been off in a cave. And the, uh, that would have been, that's because of the, of the vinya, I would never, never could do that. <clears throat> and so I've contemplated that. Why can't I do it? It seemed like a good thing to do at first. It seemed like that would be a better way of doing it than this. But then over the long term, one appreciates the fact that, that one learns how to be mindful and at ease in the midst of a society, in, the, in a community. One has to come to terms with all kinds of things in community life, don't we? With, I mean, you're always presenting me with, with uh, things that uh, reflect certain things come up in my mind. You know, the, the, there's always something of uh, just the, the movement and change and, and, and that of life. People coming and going, and people losing faith, and people becoming enthusiastic Buddhists, people becoming disillusioned, no longer Buddhists anymore. And uh, people being, getting attached to all kinds of things, or people uh, whatever, you know, there's, there's so many different uh, kind of things that one, one is, 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 that is impinging on one's mind in the community. And then you, through the practice, then you, then you don't, you learn how to use all of that. That's grist for the mill. That's just part of the, that's the, the, the sharpening stone. All of it gives us a, a willing, a, a sense of strength, an ability to not make problems about what happens in life, not to overreact, not to create anything unnecessary, not to to just be caught up in the feelings and passions and reactions that you might have on the emotional plane to what happens in life, and you can only do that not as a hermit. Because then you have to, you, you, you say, I want only this, this is all I accept. And the only time you get upset is when somebody comes and disrupts you. 
and uh, but then if you if you manage to find a place remote enough, but then nowadays you don't know what there's low flying air uh, craft uh, over the what over Harlem and there's all kinds of <laughs> uh, there's nothing much left you say in in the world it is where you can say just become totally uh, uh, separate from everything. So the world, the, the society, the planetary life, say, is, uh, is they look at me, we have to look, we have to learn from this. So in, say, at Amravati, this is, this is where we're learning here and now from the way it is here. What happened here, both on the positive and the negative and the neutral, the ordinariness of the life here, the daily normal pattern of life, the high points, the low points, the inspiration, the, the disillusionment, the whole thing is to be seen as anicca dukkanata, as dhamma, rather than uh, to be project onto the, the, that which happened, all kinds of your own fears and desires. You see, what the Buddha's teaching is to bring yourself to that very center, to that very uh, pure center of being mindful, not to be caught on the Ramanas. If you empower everything with all the Ramanas, with vibes and, and this and that, and uh, then, then that becomes the important, those become the important things. Don't you? You're always seeing the, the, the Ramanas as being pure or impure or conducive to practice or not conducive or right or wrong or good or bad. And, and so we, 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 we make, we overreact. We make a lot about the Ramana. The objection, the objects that we stick to. So vibrations and that are not what what whether they're coarse or refined or evil or good or whatever. They are impermanent. They are anicca dukkhanata. That is the Buddha looking at the Dhamma. Even the demons and the devils are anicca dukkhanata. How many of you look at, at evil as some kind of permanent, absolute force in nature? You know, it's easy to do that, like Satan or sin or things like this or Mara, as some kind of, of absolute force that's always say, there, ready to attack you or overwhelm you or delude you. How many of you, there is that feeling in the mind, isn't it, that, that there, there is... A, satanic influences or some kind of permanent evil force ever ready to delude us and, and overwhelm us. And that itself is, is anicca dukkanata, that feeling, isn't it? You don't feel that way all the time, but you can make that assumption that somehow, you know, there is, and maybe you made that assumption way back when you were a little child, that there's some kind of permanent all-pervading evil force that you have to protect yourself against. So that is a, that is a, uh, that itself is an assumption of the mind, isn't it? That is a projection of your mind onto, onto the world.
that makes us frightened and and uh, and we intend to interpret life always from in that in that that can really even we might not be conscious anymore it might not be anything you you know you think in any conscious way but it might still be something that very uh, powerfully influencing how you interpret and see uh, life and how you you translate your experiences of life But evil is impermanent. It arises, it ceases. It's not absolute. It's not, it's not nothing other than, than just what it is in a moment. <coughs> just that in a moment. If something e the evil does exist, but it exists only in a moment. It's not, it's not something that has, uh, it's not absolute. It has no, uh, no power other than, than its ability to keep you superstitious and deluded and believing that it's more than what it is. So as long as you're determined to, to, to believe in it, then you are always going to have the feeling that the evil one is around the corner, behind the bush, over your left shoulder, <laughs> under the fella, whatever, under the bed. In the cupboard? <laughs> it's easy to... If, you, if you've made that assumption, then it's, it's in the darkness of the night. It's like my story about seeing the, the evil in the Buddha Rupa. Then going outside and there's the dark night and just evil pervading everything. Absolutely terrifying. Because the assumption was there, wasn't it? I was believing. I was empowering the night with evil with my mind. I empowered a Buddha Rupa with evil. I projected it. The suggestions came, and then I put into that Rupa the, that kind of empowerment to let it affect my mind. And if somebody came who believed in, in what I said, I said, that, that Buddha Rupa is evil. What do we do with it? Uh, bury it or drop it into a volcano? <laughs> well, in the, in the in the Buddha being tempted by Mara is always I know you. He's always use his finger like. <laughs> The knowing, isn't it? That oh, that clarity of of seeing it, seeing things for what they are. Mara is, didn't say there isn't anything as Mara. Mara is just an illusion. There's no such thing, uh, and just kind of blot out the whole idea as being silly, which is what some people do, isn't it? There's no evil in the world. It's nothing. Just you know, just a kind of blanket idealism. And that you spread <coughs> over, kind of like peanut butter, that you just spread over. <laughs> or, or you can just see that, that there is evil, but it is just what it is in the moment. It's just that. And good. It's just that. 
and and then our our actions and speech are to do good, refrain from doing evil. That's what we say as as uh, human beings to do good, refrain from doing evil, because we have this active side. You know, these forms, these human bodies, need to do things. They can't just sit under bodhi trees. <coughs> For 40 years and not do anything and we have to they're 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 energized forms and they, so they and they have their karma so that they that we we have this intention to do the good and refrain from doing the the evil so we need to recognize good and evil but not make assumptions about it as being more than what it is Now, if you get a whole whole group of people projecting the same values into an image, then it, it is empowered from many people. So you feel it when you, if you go into a, a group where they all believe, say, that this Buddha Rupa is a very powerful, extremely powerful, potent image with strong, incredibly powerful vibrations. And, and you come in here and say, Ajahn Sumedho said that that, that Buddha Rupa is that is one of the most powerful Buddha Rupas that he's ever seen, and he's seen a lot. And uh, then the Venerable uh, uh, the Jakra, as soon as he arrived here, he could come into this room and he could just feel that incredible power from that. Venerable Kitty Sorrow just said, uh, of, you know, he's, he's, he's even been to Malta. <laughs> where they read auras and do all kinds of things and he, he says he's the most powerful Buddha image it's just full of these <laughs> and then then when you start looking at it you've got all that sunlight in your mind and pretty soon you start thriving so powerful and so, when we all agree, we're all just sitting here, mesmerized by the power of that image. But what, who's empowering the image? Ask yourself. Who believes that the power is in the image? Who, who's, uh, where is the image anyway? It's in your mind, isn't it? You think it, it's on the shrine, but actually it's in your mind. The shrine is in your mind. And then you, then, when you have that image and then the associative thoughts, perceptions come <coughs> of it being immensely powerful. <laughs> Gone into this way of seeing. That's why, like hypnotism, if you can hypnotize masses, you get a, a powerful a person who has a very powerful mind and believes completely in what they what they think, <clears throat> they can get all the all the other people who are doubters, uncertain, uncommitted wobblers into their under their power. You can you can just mesmerize people, masses of people, with with uh, with if you if you've developed a powerful mind, you can you can uh, draw people in. You can hypnotize them.
where this way is to is 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 the reflective use is this reflective mind. It's the it's the it's not trying to it's not brainwashing or not trying to convert you or to make you believe in Buddhism or to uh, you know to, to uh, try or just blindly and uh, believe or accept anything but to use uh, and to to develop mindfulness around the conditions the conventions uh, of this place because that is an enlightened being that is an awakened human being that does that then there's no way you can be deluded by even the most powerful uh, human beings or devas or demons or whatever no way you can be drawn into the web of illusions because even if even if a shower of stars should fall on you and God come and <coughs> announce your enlightenment as as a meditator you say all that arises ceases all that comes and goes It's that because that's true. It's not diminishing or denying the the beautiful experiences you have, but it's also giving your beautiful experiences a perspective. You're not to just dismiss the beautiful experiences in in the holy life as just an ichitukamata, as a kind of uh, callous dismissal that they're totally uh, unimportant or or see them as as, as delusions of the mind but they're to be put in the perspective rather than grasped the memories grasped and and then a whole superstition and wrong understanding developed around it in my my life as a man I've had very beautiful uh, experiences and insights and signs of great loveliness, and so but then that they are what what I can say is that they they are, they are memories now. They arise, they arose, and they ceased. It doesn't mean that they were deluding or dead. It means they were still beautiful and very, you know, appreciate them, but they're not to be grasped or sought or. Or, or you're not to create anything out of it. Like, oh, look at me! I've had these. I must be a special person. I must be uh, all that kind of thing. Where you're, you're creating uh, it into something that's yours, rather than just a, a lovely gift or a lovely experience in its own right, as is. So then you're, then you're open to daily life, and it. And it's magic as is, because you're not you're not waiting for just the kind of zappy, powerful, magnificent uh, experiences. But as you as your mind relaxes and you feel at ease and open, then then the magic of ordinariness and so the subtleties of daily life and just the 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 way things move and change and. And you you you're open and sensitive to the whole experience of living. Then, rather than going off to caves, 
and developing special powers of refinement and concentration to have absolutely fantastic, immensely powerful uh, experiences on a very high and refined plane. Because as human beings, our, 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 it, our, the, li the life of a human being is, is ordinary. I mean, this is ordinary life, breathing, consciousness, being, getting up in the morning, uh, putting on your robes, eating with your gruel, uh, going, sitting in meditation, doing the work, doing this and that. All these things can be seen in, in, as, as practice and as, as the path rather than as disruptions. Now we do get people who come and they all kind of, they read the power into this, this form and and uh, they project all kinds of things onto the images around, and that is, this to see that that is, there there that people that do that still very much believe in the aramana <coughs> as, as something. They are seeing that the real, that that which is knowing and that which is really powerful is in here, not in there. But we have an amazing ability to delude ourselves. Incredible uh, kind of ability to totally delude ourselves about things. So I mean, it, this is this is where the this this reiteration is necessary to to uh, really <coughs> see that the Buddha made it very clear about this uh, anicca dukkha nata, and uh, then the. Uh, the Paticca Samuppada, these ways, very skillful ways of penetrating the, 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 the tendency, human tendencies towards delusion to where we don't do it anymore. Once you see clearly, then you're, you're, you're not uh, going to. You don't, you don't want, you don't uh, find, you, you don't have to be deluded, in other words. We don't have to be deluded by life. We can be, and oftentimes most people can't help but be. It's not that they've chosen to be deluded; they just don't, don't uh, really have never had any other option. But for us, we have chosen this way of enlightenment, not and non-delusion. So, and it, then it's up to you to to keep at it, to keep. Using and whatever, no matter what comes to you, God or Buddha or <clears throat> Vishnu or Allah, Sanat Kumara, <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes, it goes. And then you have it in this like Hindu, Tibetan things, you've got all these avatars and reincarnated uh, tulkus and all of this. What is that? So and so is an avatar of this. Of, the, of, a, of a famous guru of the past, 
or or the Dalai Lama's uh, reincarnation of the previous one. Well, the, the Tibetans have all these Totus, uh, reincarnated Lamas. What is that? We know is that that's a we can once somebody says that about someone, you you start looking at them as reincarnated lamas, don't you? Whatever that means. Remember in the Thai Siddhupa Toku, somebody he was uh, some, I didn't even know what what that was. Some woman called Chitter says before him. They said Thai Siddhupa Toku is here in England, and we'd like to bring him to Chitters. You could feel his sense of of, that that was somebody very important. Yeah. So you kind of, I said to Patonka, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it greeted or what? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you meet that the kind of, the voice uh, was very, had this sense of, this is a very uh, important person, and it has a title, it's not just, Joe Blow, is it? It's <laughs> so you can feel how easily we are pulled into this sense of of, uh, of this person is a highly attained being. This is a very important person. This is not just an average person like yourself, but this is this is a really highly evolved, very special, reincarnated avatar Toku. And so then one's mind is that that affects how you perceive, isn't it? <laughs> so we can be aware of that. It's not to deny those things. We don't not up to us to say they're they're not true. I don't feel as it, I don't know anything about that. It, who, who is reincarnated or things like that? I have no knowledge of that kind of thing. But I do know that it is an importance for the spiritual life that that being reincarnated from some other thing in the past is is uh, isn't isn't uh, isn't anything to make anything up, isn't anything to exalt in your mind or create all kinds of of ideas about. It's just what it is, <coughs> and 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 it's. Uh, it's not up to me to say whether the Buddha relics are actually the, the actual bones of the Buddha or not. That, that, that perception is that to me they're Buddha relics because that's what, I, that, that's what they were given to me as, as Buddha relics. And so there's no reason, no practical reason to think of them in, in any other way. But then Buddha relics, what are they good for? There, there. That's a beautiful concept to have. It makes you. It gives a sense of, of uh, sacredness and sanctity to have Buddha relics, rather than chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> so if it helps to, to, to bring your attention to, to, and 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 calm you down and and to that, then that's a very skillful use of Buddha relics. But to project onto them all kinds of powers, or to dismiss them as just being uh, just silly uh, superstitions is that's that's not. Those are the two extremes. 
so to to uh, to deny somebody is not is not that not to say that that the, to dismiss say reincarnated lamas and and avatars as as poppycock is an arrogant kind of put down, isn't it? But what we can know is that avatars and to and tokus and all that are born and die. They come and go. They're impermanent and they're not self. Um, and so that it's it, it we can we can respect the the fact that that whether you how much importance you want to place on that, it's up to you. But if you're really uh, clear in seeing things for what they are, then you can see that, that those perceptions, those ways of thinking, arise and cease in your mind. Or the doubt about it, whether, is that true? Could anyone really be, is that really a reincarnation? Or is he just making it up? Or That's doubt. So you're aware of the doubt or the belief for what it is. It is as it is. So this is this is a, developing the Eightfold Path. Well, you're not expected to, to pass judgments and make decisions about things that you don't know about and you can't know about. It's not up to me to determine the, what the Dalai Lama really is, is it? None of my business. And I have no way of knowing except that the Dalai Lama comes and goes, just like you do. Comes to England and he leaves, and he, and he, uh, and he, he uh, you know, the, the perception arises and ceases in my mind, Dalai Lama. <coughs> and this is seeing things as they are. It doesn't, it doesn't diminish or deny the importance or the, the goodness of the Dalai Lama, but it is not making any additions or any, uh, not projecting anything onto it, not creating a Dalai Lama in your mind out of, out of ignorance. And you think of yourself, maybe it's just an ordinary person who, you know, you don't, you're not like a reincarnated Lama or you're not an avatar. And oftentimes you might think of yourself as just a very kind of bland nobody. We've never been, I've never been Ray, I've come from a very kind of mediocre background. <laughs> There's no way I can jazz up my ancestry and think that I'm, you know, that I'm in any way come up from any kind of special arrangements from above. <laughs> it's just uh, not that I haven't wanted to. I always felt kind of, you know, I'd like to have a little more interesting ancestry than I have, a little more colorful, special. <coughs> but this is, but whether it's it how how you know how well connected you are and how how special or that your birth might have been or who your parents are or who your grandparents were or who you or you've seen past lives you know, where you were somebody uh, 
a queen or a king or emperor or something or a saint or that's not those things are what are they they the memories or perceptions arise and cease in the mind and then really note the cessation of those things where if you're really attached to a perception really work, bring that perception into a consciousness and just see where it ceases if you think it and when you're not thinking it to be aware realize the not when it's not there so that the the uh, and the just the view of yourself as just an ordinary bland nobody also is a perception but you think yourself as a special <clears throat> and very important special offering to the world or uh, just a bland nobody or even a worthless hopeless case all those are perceptions of the mind aren't they 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 you can they they're not permanent they're not self they're anicca dukkhanata and don't be afraid to whatever uh, particular view you have about yourself to investigate it not to to try to prove it or disprove it but just to see what it is in its in itself that way you'll not create anything you'll not out of that ignorance you'll not you'll not react either through through exalting or through uh, annihilating then in, in the uh, practice to, to really pay attention to the cessation of things, like the, the exhalation. I used to just spend a long time just concentrating on, specializing on exhalations, inhaling too, because I just couldn't exhale. But really noting exhalation and contemplating, just being with it. Not that you have to think about it, but just to, to really concentrate on that to be open to that what what it is to exhale the end of a breath or the ending of things the ending of a thought in your mind the ending of a feeling the, the ending of the day the ending of of, of uh, whatever in in the life here whatever is ending you're really uh, reflecting on on the cessation of that which has arisen 